you're listening to Rogue Table Talks. Here's Mike. And we are back once again, RTT 130. Uh, Mike here, Chad there. And uh, we're we're actually recording this on the same day we recorded our TT one twenty nine. We didn't do a wardrobe change. We didn't, we didn't we do change. a wardrobe change. It's still a crisp sunny day. I'm still probably going to go out and do some leaves. If it doesn't hey, what rain. about those leaves? <laughs> There's still workers in Chad's basement, and all of that is still true. Uh, so that's awesome. That's uh, that's all for the small talk. Let's cut to the chase. Um, yeah, yeah, it's literally like. Maybe you're listening back to back, so you're like, "Well, I'm doing the same thing." Right. Awesome. Yeah. Right. <laughs> then, then we're right in line with you. Uh, but we're going to jump uh, into uh, the beginning of Galatians six, uh, where Paul is sort of um, continuing the thought, in a sense, of okay, um, don't don't count on the law to save you. Don't count on the law for righteousness. Uh, you were saved by grace. It's the work of God, uh, and then you know you're you're free, meaning you're free from the law, but you're called to some bigger life. Walk by the Spirit, mortify or you know, crucify the desires of the flesh, and he begins he begins to get as communal as well, uh, and you know how we relate to one another and how we walk to one another, and that intensifies here, and the first part of Galatians six where Paul says. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let us each test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit, or will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And so this is kind of all, in a sense, all communal, you know, as we're walking with the Spirit and as we're, you know, uh, crucifying the desires of the flesh. And as we're doing that together, here's some things that we need to think about. Um, and the first thing is, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Um, so... What do you think that means? Or, you know, obviously, uh, my imperfection is 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 available to see at all times. What is Paul talking about here? Do you think? Well, I mean, I think I have to be careful with transgression and you who are spiritual. So I'm spiritual, so I've never caught any transgression. I'm not sure if right. that's what he's saying. Right. Yes. Um, it could be as broad as, um, you know, everyone, ha- you have your blind spots. Like, I may not realize how impatient I am. I'm blind to it, but everybody mm-hmm. else is not. <laughs> I may not realize 
um, you know, that I just complain all the time and I don't express gratitude, but everyone else does. So it, it, to me, the you who are spiritual could be interpreted, well, this is not your specific transgression or, you know, or you're just, in fact, close to the person. And so it's kind of laid bare to you to see their, their struggle. Um, and I think that's, that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that's definitely right. Because cause he says, watch yourself. And so he says, you who are spiritual should restore in a spirit of gentleness. But why? You're, why you know, you're not immune. There's not right. two different categories of people here. You know, watch yourself so that you're not, in a sense, you know, uh, drawn in to the same thing or drawn into some other, you know, maybe judgmentalism or moralism or so on. Um as you restore in a spirit of gentleness. And I just think it, one of the things here, and, you know, let's you know, maybe complete the thought where he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, there's, an, you know, for any, anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. There's this, this sense of, uh, yes, other people are caught in sin, and yes, we ought to, to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. But you're not any different. Watch yourself. Don't be tempted. If you think you're something because you don't have Chad's sin, then you deceive yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're missing the whole point. Uh, just because it's someone else being caught in a sin that, or someone else being caught in a sin that you don't have, that doesn't make you anything better because you just have a yeah. different set of sins. Um, and I think there's such a cultural um, cross-current to this. Like everything about our popular culture that does infect the church is sort of the opposite of this. That other people's sins are to be magnified and condemned harshly. They are to be, uh, you know, drawn and quartered or put in the stocks or tarred and feathered for publicly. They are to be humiliated. They are to be, um, you know, everything, everything other than restored you know, gently in the spirit of gentle. And there's a, the sense of you're bad and I'm reinforcing my goodness by condemning your badness. And, you know, it's really just the opposite of what Paul is, is talking about here. And it's one of the, you know, the current sins of our age that's easy for all of us to get drawn into. Uh, and I, I think Paul's speaking directly to it here. Yeah, I think to me, you look at this passage is very, very countercultural, which, you know, if we would have done this podcast seven years ago, I we'd be having a different conversation because this phenomena um, has only gained momentum in the last yeah. three, four, five years. It's like, man, our culture is now obsessed with sin. We are obsessive yeah. about everyone's sin and making sure that they pay the price when we catch them because we're we're out to catch them. And I think you can you can be out to you can, you know, you can either call out or you can prop up is the way I see this. Mm-hmm. You can be the guy that's always policing everyone, telling everyone where their flaws are. Sin. Or, as he says, bear one another's burdens. You could prop somebody up because they're struggling, they're fallen. But you have to have, it's, what verse is it? I, I don't see any numbers on it. So uh, when, you, when anyone think, thinks he is something, when he's nothing. 
whatever that verse and you have to have that as a key factor for when you're going to try to restore anybody it's i'm not perfectly aware but i'm aware of my own sin i'm aware of my own struggle so i'm not coming in hot i'm not coming in judgmental i'm not coming in trying to point out and uh, hurt someone my goal is restoration and i think when you're going to be in a conversation with somebody about their own struggle it's pretty bold to do that but you have to ask yourself what what's my goal what's mm-hmm. my goal in having this conversation like what is what am i really up to in the in this with this person yeah and i think we have a lot of possible goals that aren't great uh, i want to express yeah. my anger right i want to reinforce my goodness i want to look good compared to you I mean, we wouldn't say any of those things, but those are the sorts of things. You know, I want to be self-righteous. And yeah, Paul speaks directly to those things. Not only if you think you're something when you're nothing, you deceive yourself, but each person should test his own work, which, um, you know, he's not saying, you know, in a sense, only mind your own business, but he's saying, you know, as you're addressing someone else's sin, you need to look hard at yourself. You need to be honest with yourself about what your own sin is. Not that you don't restore, uh, because who am I to say anything? I'm a sinner, but I'm going to restore from this place of, yes, I also, everyone, I screw up. And I need restoration, and I need the transformation of spirit. And I can also fall into the works of the flesh, that we're all in this boat together, and I'm doing this in love for you. The fruit of the spirit of love and gentleness is displayed in how I restore you or or my restoration, in quotes, could be just another exercise of the work of the flesh. It could be dissension, uh-huh. divisionness. I mean, that's another way of looking at it is it can be in one category or it can be in the other. And I'm not going to be always the best judge. Because here's the thing. I can condemn you and be right. And that's, yes. that's what we do with it. Well, I, but I'm right. Yes, you're right. Yes, you can be right or 10% right or 50% right or some percentage of right you can be. You can legitimately condemn other people. Uh, But Paul is saying, you know, you need to look hard in the mirror. Uh, You need to submit yourself to the examination of the spirit and scripture. And, you know, you're going to stand on that and you restore from this place of gentleness from there. I just think that's so rare you know, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's rare. I think we've, uh, and I think one of the reasons it's rare is because in order to want to restore somebody, in order to do it well, you have to slow down. And it just seems like everything is so shoot from the hip, uh, unfiltered. You know, I, I can't remember that it was, uh, someone who talked about like the three-part filter to what you're going to say or do. Is it true? Is it is it kind? And then is it beneficial? Yeah. You know, sometimes it's true, uh, but it's not kind or beneficial. You know, you, you, you need to sit with that because, like you said, there's just more to the conversation than being right. There's just a lot more to the conversation than being right. You know, and everyone thinks they're right. You should, you know, the government should do this. You should vote this way. This is how the school should handle COVID. This is how 
these people are screwing up the country. Everyone thinks they're right, obviously, because you're you. <laughs> but there's yeah. just more to the conversation than being right. Yeah, right. It should not surprise us that everyone thinks they're right. Um, yeah, so there's this, I think it's a very, it's very cross-cultural, very countercultural at the moment. Uh, like you said, and it just seems to be intensified. You know, one of the things that one of the phrases I don't like about I mean, I think there's there's a there's a truth behind it. But, you know, we sometimes we hear silence is violence, which, you know, I think in its more charitable reading means if you don't say anything about injustice, then you're part of this injustice. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm a little uncomfortable with calling violence something that isn't actually violence, because then when you get actual violence, uh, you need another word or something, but there's so there's some truth there where I do have an obligation at some level uh, to to speak up about something. Um, but my my speaking up can also be violence if you were if you want to extend the analogy. I mean, I can do it in a way that wounds, harms, drives away, uh, that antagonizes, that breaks trust, uh, that you know, really is, uh, I'm right. I might be right, but, uh, I can do it in such a way that really is a work of this, you know, flesh and, and really, you know, violates the spirit and feel pretty good about it because, because I'm right. Um, and I think that's a very, you know, that it, I think that's probably always happened. Obviously Paul is writing about it here, uh, and, you know, 2000 years ago or so. Um, and, but it's really almost given much more cultural sanction now. And we see it even within the church. If you're, you know, if you're reading what different, if different people in the church are saying about this position or that position or this church or that church, there's some of it that I would agree with on the merits, but it's really harsh and it's really not helpful. It's not, it's really a violation of this, of this passage. And it's just so easy to, to do, uh, so I, I do think there is a sense in which one of the ways we avoid this sin, for some of us, is just not say anything ever, which probably isn't good. But uh, as we do say, we seek to restore, as you said, what's my goal? I'm testing myself. I'm examining myself. I'm counting my own self as a, as a sinner as well. Um, and moving well, there, forward, which, go ahead. Yeah, no, there's another way to deceive yourself. You know, you deceive yourself if you don't think you have a sin problem. But to not try to restore somebody under the guise of humility, uh, you know, who am I? Well, that's not real humility. That's false humility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, real humility says, uh, okay, I see it. I actually care about this person. Um, it's going to make me uncomfortable. But the loving thing to do is to have a conversation with this person. Yeah. Try to restore yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, one more little snippet on that, that part of the passage is, is that, you know, each test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. And, you know, I kind of like that because I do think there's a sense in which we can boast in our neighbor in a way that is I'm better than my neighbor. Uh, so instead of testing my own work, I'm comparing myself to my neighbor favorably. And my reason to boast is the fact that I'm better than my neighbor. And that's what he's, you know, what he's speaking out against as well. Um, Second half of that passage, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. 
Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Uh, And don't grow weary. In due season you will reap if you don't give up. Uh, So then do good to everyone as you have opportunity. So there's this, um, you know, we've talked about the context of restoration instead of being the sin police. You know, you're spiritual, those walking in the spirit. Um, and then the sense of thinking about your own sin as you think about the sin of others. Um, and then there's this, this sense of um, the empathy, sympathy uh, discussion of what do you do with, uh, you know, sin in the body of Christ. There is such a there's a way to fulfill the law of Christ as we bear one another's burdens. And, you know, as ridiculous as it might sound, there's a, there's a, there's a discussion in the church about is empathy bad? Um, You know, that it's good to have sympathy, but you shouldn't have too much empathy about somebody in sin because you're, I, I think the, I guess the argument is you might be over identifying with it and then drawn into it or something. So we shouldn't have empathy. We should stand away from an empathetic response to it. And we can have sympathy, but not empathy. And I just think, and I think that is a way of distancing ourselves from, from people who we do disagree with or we have, have sin. And I just think that's, I don't see anything in scripture that would give me the idea that empathy by itself is bad. Uh, and that sympathy is better, empathy is good, and you have too much empathy or over-identifying. Um, I, I don't even know how much you were aware of that. That's just something that I've stumbled into. It's the last <laughs> month or two, which is, it's sort of, it seems sort of ridiculous to me. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, this is the part of me that gets really <laughs> allergic to what I feel like are pointless conversations and what some people feel like are really important conversations and not, not you talking about it, but like the fact that people are spending a lot of energy saying empathy is bad and then building an argument for it and thinking it's some form of like, this is a good Christian conversation. I'm like, I, I, how? Mm -hmm. And I think to me, the point is, you know, identify let's just go incarnation you know how do you how would we draw such a clean line between the two anyways right right yeah. i mean you know christ became yeah. one of us but the old the old saying is he became like us so we could become like him you know for god so loved the world if empathy and sympathy you know, I would argue they both have to be included in this love conversation. You have to have a level of empathy for people that are just self-destructing. How do you not? Right. How do you not know that about your own self? That's what sin is, is it's a cycle of self-destruction. And so you have to also have a level of sympathy. To me, those are not opposed to each other like one's loving, one's not. So for God so loved the world, he entered into our mess, took on our mess, Mm -hmm. identified with... So... Yeah, no, I, I haven't heard a lot about it, so I don't know what the argument is. So in fairness, well, I, I can't. I, I, yeah, I think the context is, uh, I mean, I think, I think the occasion of it arising is Christians who identify as being gay or have, you know, same-sex attraction. And mm. we can have sympathy, but 
there's this sense of I don't want to I don't want to condone your sin. And and that's kind of what, and it is basically what we're saying here. I think, you know, it's the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee says, "Uh, thank God I'm not like this guy. Uh, Well, that was going to be my guess was it was around the gay conversation and it was around, Mm -hmm. we don't want to, we want to be really careful about celebrating something. So now all of a sudden empathy becomes a form of celebration. Right. Yeah. And you know, there, there might be a germ of some something there that that we should think about, but it's it's just a great big overreaction, and it seems like I want to make sure everyone else knows I'm not with that. And instead of yeah. like, don't even worry about what everyone else thinks about you. It's not about you. Uh, can we put ourselves in the position of this brother and sister in Christ who has this struggle that we don't have? And to be empathic about that seems to be. A normal expression of love uh, and I think it's just a complete misunderstanding and to try to distance yourself you know from it in such a way that um, I mean certainly if someone restored my sin then I'd want them to have empathy for me <laughs> you yeah, know I, I, there's a there's a good point like how can you actually rest, want to restore somebody with zero empathy yeah it, it's almost as though pe- the people saying it are kind of wordlessly putting themselves in the position of not ever having to be restored. But uh, yeah, I don't want to spend forever on that. It is something that I've, uh, you know, some, some of our listeners might've read about it. I just wanted to make, I do want to say, I do think it's with you. It's a silly, it seems a silly and somewhat self-serving discussion. That's really Mm -hmm. more about us than the person that, you know, that we're hoping to restore. Um, And so, and again, I do think this, he says, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And, you know, we've, we've talked about in Galatians the law, um, and not under the law anymore, uh, but I am, I'm called to fulfill the law of Christ by the Spirit. And it's a whole, just a whole different way of living. Um, and I think that's what we're you know, called to do here. And then you know, ending the passage, I do think there's this sense of, um, yes, you can't, produce your salvation. Yes, you can't add to your righteousness. However, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you'll also reap. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't we don't give up. So the way I conduct my life matters. That um, keep going, keep mortifying the flesh, keep, stay, keep in step with the Spirit, keep restoring your brother, keep serving and loving and giving even though it seems like what good is it what use is it whatever don't grow weary in doing good because you will reap whatever that means and i don't exactly know what it means it just you know that my actions matter right there's this uh, that's the counterpoint to you know what he's been saying throughout the book of of galatians in a sense you know it's part of the other side of the coin that you get a lot of it's said let's say in the book of james where you're free and you're under grace, but that doesn't mean your life doesn't matter. And that doesn't mean how you live doesn't matter. It matters. So keep going. What do you think of my paraphrase of that? Yeah. No, I like that. Keep going. It matters. Um, You know, we're we're free from fear of the Father, fear of judgment, fear of, um, you know, the failure of keeping the law. But that... But we live in a real world, 
and we don't live in an ivory tower and the real world has rhythms and the created order has consequences and every everyone actually lives like this is true you know we don't uh, we don't live out our philosophy of no there's no consequences to life um so i think it's it's a good paraphrase also like the uh you know the temptation to grow weary in doing good is because it's uh, using the similar analogy that we used earlier with the garden is weeds grow quick and you see the consequences and the fruit of um you know sowing sin quickly and it takes a long time for good things to grow you know it takes a long time for things to bear fruit and produce fruit for goodness to grow it's going to take more time so the temptation is to be discouraged by gosh it just seems like all these bad things popping up around me they they, they bear fruit so quickly um and that's just generally true but for good fruit to grow for you know good plants to grow it just takes time and so to trust that you're continuing to sow and watch and water and protect and it will you will reap you know it just takes time yeah i think that's that's where faith has to be because we don't always see it yeah uh, and we're not going to necessarily see it day to day week to week month to month but over the course of years we will we will see fruit as we continue to submit ourselves to him and we continue to crucify the flesh with its desires and walk and keep in step with the spirit and restore gently and examine our own life uh, and to continue to, uh, you know, keep in these spiritual habits that, you know, we grow tired. We go, well, what does it matter? I just, I'm, you know, I'm not, not today. That, that's just part of the normal part of life that we experience in lots of things, but in spiritual things, because it's not so tangible, um, then it's all, it's very easy to sort of let it slip away without consciously rejecting it. We sort of let, you know, yeah, I know spiritual habits are important, but it's been a while because I don't know, I just get tired and I don't know, you know, and that's what Paul is speaking to here. Have faith, live in faith that this stuff matters, that the fruit will come, that we won't always see it. But as we keep in step with the spirit, God will, you will reap. It's a ironclad uh, promise. And, uh, you know, that, that the life we're, life we're called to live matters and the way we live it does, does matter in ways that we can't see. Um, so let's land the plane there. I think that's where, uh, the, you know, our uh, encouragement for this is to, I think, live, uh, re-examine kind of where you are in terms of growing weary and, you know, restoring people's wearying work and looking at my own self in the mirror's wearying work and, Sometimes it doesn't, you don't see the fruit right away. And so am I growing weary? And if so, be encouraged that it does matter, that we will reap in due time, as Paul promises. So with that, grace and peace, everybody. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks. Be sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen and on our YouTube channel. Just search Rogue Table Talks.